It's Monday, February 13th. Chapo coming at you. Um, just going just gonna to dive right into it. Um, coming off, it's been a very busy weekend. Um, the Archons in charge of our reality are beginning to lose the plot. They're, I mean, they're recycling old algorithms. They're recycling old plot lines. They've lost track of what's supposed to be fantasy and reality. So I guess I'll just start here. What the fuck is going on with these UFOs? Because like coming <laughs> off the week when everyone was uh, coming off Chinese balloon week, if that wasn't enough, just in three separate incidents over the weekend, there's just different shapes over Canada and Alaska. They go first. Oh, it's a cylinder. It's an octagon. We're, we're fucking we're smoking them out of the sky. Top Gun Pete Maverick Mitchell style. But seriously, though, like I, I, I it just they keep they keep just referring to these objects. There's just shapes up there that they're probably noticing now, but they're shooting. Them no, they're the shooting sky. them down. They're shooting them down. But what they are. Uh, n- never mind. Which is honestly. It makes me think that after the others have said this, but I think it makes the most sense after the uh, embarrassment of the and the hoopla of the Chinese spy balloon thing, whatever, they started paying more attention to stuff that, you know, top level uh, military preparedness or whatever doesn't normally notice. And all of a sudden this stuff that's like, you know, local weather balloons put up by like, you know, some university meteorology department or something that would never otherwise have gone on their literal radar are now being picked up and shot down. <laughs> and so this is an embarrassment. It's like when two shop cops shoot each other during a, when they pull somebody over because like they heard a car backfire. <laughs> That's what they're doing on a, uh, on a stratospheric scale. And they're just like, yeah, we shot it down. Never mind what it is. Cause they don't want to be I, talking about how embarrassing that is. <sighs> <laughs> no, there it's Ospreys and F thirty fives completing successful flights. <laughs> and they can't believe it. They're like, wait, someone flew an Osprey from Manitoba to Saskatchewan and uh they didn't it didn't kill all twenty Navy SEALs on board. You're the propellers me. didn't just drop off? What the fuck? Remember when they flew a bungler in one of those over New that York? That was wild. That was like they were the trying to assassinate him. Yeah, that was like the closest <laughs> anyone ever got to killing a bungler. I don't know. It's just like uh, it's, it's like the 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 objects the the object shooting gallery that's going on in in our skies right now. Uh, like that in conjunction with the fact that I learned this weekend that Noah Baumbach's adaptation of Don DeLillo's White Noise, including the airborne toxic event trail derainment scene, was filmed in East Palestine, Ohio, and featured residents of that town being extras in the airborne toxic event, soon to be repeated in reality, which reads like a plot to another Don DeLillo novel that hasn't been written yet. I just like I said, I think the archons in charge of this reality have basically run out of creativity and they're recycling old plot lines. I don't know what's going on here, but in terms of the, in terms of the, and objects, think of a, a, like, sorry to interrupt, but like, consider this too. Don DeLillo is also in one of the longest running comedy series of all time. It's always sunny in Philadelphia <laughs> who just lost the Super Bowl. <laughs> Philadelphia Eagles. There you yeah. go. I mean, I don't know. It's just like the, the these things, uh, they, they, they just keep happening and they keep rhyming with things. I, I, I will say about the the objects. Okay, like obviously, always good to um, uh, border, you know, like uh, lean towards skepticism on these things. But in the um, in, in in the media accounts of these um, UFO style incidents, they just keep referring to them as unidentified objects. They don't say flying. And in the accounts of it, they're I think they're being very cagey with like you remember when we covered like when the Navy 
drop that like oh like ufos are real and like there's these like just glowing orbs that, like shift in and out of uh you know reality or they like they change direction in a way they have no known means of uh, propulsion the octagon and the cylinder that they shot out they just said that they were unidentified objects and they seem to imply that they were not like you know phase shifting out of reality or like i said like uh changing directions with incredible velocity unknown of any source of propulsion so they're but they're, but there's but but there still are just shapes in the atmosphere somewhere. So don't know, uh, you know, don't know what's going on with that, but I just think it's interesting that like we seem to be Chinese spy balloon week, you know, sort of kindling the flames of a new cold war UFOs, very much a huge part of cold war culture. Like I said, it seems like a lot of plot lines are being recycled here, but I, I don't know. I mean, like Matt, you and I were talking about this. It doesn't seem convincing to me that like the UFOs are a psyop to distract us from other things because they're not covering those other things either or the UFOs. So I, I don't know what's going on with this. I really don't. I've lost the plot. It would suck so much if like aliens mastered intergalactic travel and like manipulation of time and space, but they just lost to like 24 year old Air Force Reserve pilots. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's why I don't think it could be aliens. I don't think yeah. that they're getting shot down by aircraft that can't travel when it's raining. <laughs> yeah. Something that can like phase shift through reality or travel faster than the speed of light is not getting murked by 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 a, a fucking thing that was uh, assembled from 500 different factories uh and falls apart uh at the first <laughs> moisture beating on its surface. Uh and and here's another thing like okay, remember when they, when they, when they shut down the Chinese balloon there was like uh, we had we had video and, and photographs of it like deflated on the ground somewhere in South Carolina. So where are these objects? I know they shoot them. They shot them down over like Lake Huron or like off the coast of Alaska or something. But I would like uh, some follow up on efforts to recover the, 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 the atmosphere shapes that we're uh, shooting now. Yeah, that's why I think it's just like regular weather balloons because it's just embarrassed. So. The idea is like, okay, so uh, political hay was made over Biden taking too long to shoot down the balloon. So now they're like, okay, we got, it's like, it's like in an office, basically. They're like, oh, the, the supervisors, uh, you know, he's walking around the cubicles, better look busy. So they're just, um, you know, it's like a fucking uh, just free fire zone on all the shapes that are up there. And they could just be like some random uh, university's uh, weather balloon, could be uh, some sort of wildcat drone scenario, or... You know, I'm not ruling it out entirely. Could just be we're just smoking aliens up there. We're just killing them. They 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 keep coming. They keep showing up, and we just murk them on sight. That would be so depressing. <laughs> I don't know if we're lucky God, enough. That would suck. I don't know if we're lucky enough to have a first contact situation uh, that we immediately bungle by uh, <laughs> shooting it with an F-22. So Imagine if missile. Joe Biden was the president during Halo. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I talked to I talked to this. It's broad. It's she named she's Cortana Jack. She she lives in my eyes now. She lives in my eyeball. It's ironic they call him the prophet of truth because he hasn't given me the straight dope one second of one day. <laughs> no, but seriously, what like why what like what what is happening here? What what is going on here? Like I and also like lost lost in the shuffle of the UFO drama is the fact that it was uh, Justin Trudeau who ordered one of these fucking shapes shot down. With a U.S. Air Force plane, what's going on with that? How does doesn't Canada have their own Air Force? How come our brave pilots are taking orders from Justine Trudeau? That's what I want to know. NATO. That's what NATO is. NATO <laughs> is when NATO is when a man named Justin causes intergalactic war. <laughs> that's really what it means. Yeah, but um, 
I don't, I don't know. Like, uh, is, is, is this a psyop or is this just um, like, it just seems like if you're coming up with something to distract people with, you should do something that has like a, a, a better answer because this just seems to be, um, this just have a better story to go along with it. And like, what, what is this to distract us from? Because like, it's not the trill, it's not the, the, the train derailment because no one's paying attention to that anyway. I mean, I don't think, I don't think it's necessarily a psyop. I think like, you remember how like, with the initial Chinese weather balloon story, they're like, oh, yeah, and this also happened, like, eight times under Trump or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I think this just, like, hap- like it, it. this happens probably more than we think. And, like, I don't know, it's fucking the slow news week. Whether you're doing a podcast or the regular news, you're like, damn, this news is boring as shit. <laughs> well, I got to say. And yeah. you're like, um, oh, oh uh, the, the um, aliens or the predators here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I gotta say the uh, the space shapes are are more are more interesting to me than the debt ceiling negotiations. But I would just like to know, like, wh- how how are these shapes staying in the air? I mean, it's a balloon. Okay, it's and a balloon. That's the only thing that makes sense is it's some sort of they're just balloons. We're now we're uh, it's on site for all balloons now. <laughs> yeah, Thank you, so. China. We can't have nice <laughs> balloons anymore. We're gonna fucking send like a ten warthogs to strafe the Macy's Thanksgiving Day parade. <laughs> what if like what if the what if the balloons were like like in china china's sort of like i don't know it's sort of a mirror the democratic party where like they have a young guard of like upcoming like market socialist quasi neoliberals and like what if that it's that faction that rogue faction of like chinese pete buddha judges who are like we should send friendship balloons to America <laughs> to show them that like we're the Hu Jintao era is coming back soon. Once we, once we get rid of Xi Jinping and people just interpreted it as like a brutal act of war. <laughs> Goku is Goku and Pikachu have been spotted over, over Alaska and compromised to a permanent end. Yeah. Well, it was a, it, it, you know, this was the weekend of spectacle. It was the spectacle of, um, Various uh, balloon catastrophes or averted balloon catastrophes or um, first contact with intelligent life elsewhere in the galaxy. But it was also the weekend of the Super Bowl. Uh, You're not allowed to call it that. It's the big game. You'll be sued into oblivion for saying the Super Bowl (laughs) at a broadcast medium. They will send a wet team to your house. It was the Super Bowl. And, you know, um, I got to say off this, I remember um, on uh, on Monday's episode when I talked with uh, Bomani Jones. And, you know, he picked correctly. He picked Mahomes and the Chiefs. So good on him for that. But I remember the one thing we talked about was like the um, we talked about the DeMar Hamlin uh, near death experience in the NFL and the way in which it was like very quickly metabolized into a feel good story. Man, the NFL has nothing on the American military and what they did with Pat Tillman for the Super Bowl or what they always do with Pat Tillman. Because, man, you want to talk about. Um, uh, retconning a disaster into a positive story in a recruitment ad. Good God. Did you see that? The, the, the Pat Tillman shit that they did during the Super Bowl. And then like today I saw this guy who like hosts some like military podcast, like, you know, Murph Murphy's law with, with Jack Murphy. And then he's like, guys, like enough of the conspiracy theories. My friend was the guy who shot Pat Tillman and he said it was a tragic accident. That was one of the funniest things I've seen. Like just on, on so many levels, and the people defending him were like, do you really think that if a terrible crime was committed, that if, the, if you admitted to it, it would ostracize you from your friends, it would ruin your professional life, probably tear apart your family, ruin your financial life? 
do you really think that no one would talk after 30 years? <laughs> like, we didn't find out about, like, Bob Carey's entire skeleton, like, just fucking, not even skeletons in the closet. I would say an entire house worth of skeletons, like, 30 years later. <laughs> skeletons in the closet? Felt, finally felt bad about it. Like, skeletons in the closet or ears on a necklace. Yeah. It should, like, a, hysteri- a truly hysterical argument, but I did, like, Nothing will be funnier to me ever than like I actually know the guy who killed Pat Tillman and like he's nice. So like, I know I will. You give I, up I, the conspiracy I, shit. Look, I, I know I know the allure of conspiracy theories and a lot of people talking about like, did I burn his journals? Yes, I did, but that was only because they were covered in Hello Kitty stickers and he dots his eyes with little hearts and I wanted to spare the family that kind of disgrace. I wanted I want I didn't want his family to find out that he was corresponding with social fascist collaborator Noam Chomsky. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like uh, okay, also also of note in this year's uh, military spectacle the, the flyover of the stadium in Arizona was done for the first time by an all-female fighter pilot squad. So, you know, there we go. Ladies, they're doing big things. Uh, the gynocracy is rising. Uh, male authority and power are being systematically degraded. Men are no longer allowed to watch or participate in the big game lest they be shot down like an orbital octagon by uh, our crack team of all lady fighter pilots. Oh, man. If you could be if you could be a fucking rose emoji tweeter in 2017 and know that information, 500 faves easy. <laughs> the all female fighter pilot thing. Um, talk about the halftime show. We got Rihanna coming in at the halftime show, and what I appreciated about this halftime show is that it was a very it was it was a subtle and tasteful application of Illuminati satanic energy harvesting. You know, it was it was it was tasteful. It was subtle. Uh, yes, my, my orgone energy was harvested for Illuminati satanic purposes. But you know what? I thought Rihanna looked great. I love the floating iPhones. And I also love Trump being a catty bitch about the whole thing. Uh, it honestly felt to me like a salute to the airborne toxic event. <laughs> all of her all the backup dancers look like they were like hazmat beekeeping costumes <laughs> just like folks let's give it up for uh protecting yourself from po- hazardous chemicals flying through the air it's the new world now this is your life get used to it make it fashionable super bowl halftime show brought to you by vinyl chloride <laughs> it's <laughs> it's the chloride that turns into hydraulic acid when it meets the atmosphere it's the fog that turns you inside out for that <laughs> it's fine it's okay Go back to your homes. Okay, so like uh, uh, Trump did two separate posts about Rihanna. One before the halftime show where he said she'd be nothing without her stylist. <laughs> That's <laughs> and then w- incredible. <laughs> He's awesome. And then another one after where he said it was comprehensively the worst Super Bowl halftime show of all time. It's a, you know, say, say what you want about Rihanna. She should go back to makeup. She's no Beyonce. I mean, it's what seven years since she had a concert. I got this is a little low energy. I think Trump's onto something here. She I'm was sorry. pregnant. She's pregnant. Okay, I she. I mean, that's, no, the, then, that's no excuse for being fat. <laughs> uh, and, okay. and then, then, I don't really think that. Add more Satanism then. All she had was like the red jumpsuit. <laughs> okay, you're getting out Satan'd by Sam Smith. Embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> she ate. She slayed. She gagged. That is that is that on that, sis. But okay, let me ask you this. 
did Trump write this this, this truth social? Because uh, I, I know he wrote the one where he said she'd be nothing without her stylist. But like, let me this this one struck me as like maybe a Trump staffer. So he writes, "Epic fail." Rihanna gave, mm. without question, the single worst halftime show in Super Bowl history. This after insulting far more than half our nation, which is already as, already in serious decline with her foul and insulting language. Also, so much for her stylist. That, the, uh, that, that doesn't have the Trump cadence Epic to me. fail, Epic fail. He's online the, all the time, but once you get to a certain age, like those sort of, uh, that sort of language and vocabulary, it just doesn't stick. It just goes right through you like gamma radiation. I can't imagine him ever having absorbed epic fail as a term. Yeah, that 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 was that's like a forty nine year old RNC staffer who like you know makes posts that are like um, Eric Schmidt is him. Eric, <laughs> Eric Schmidt is my toxic trait. Is Eric Schmidt is that guy? Uh, <laughs> uh, someone pointed this out, but like. Okay, so like so, so Trump Trump debuted his new Ron DeSantis put down where he's calling him Meatball Ron, which is it's pretty good, but I'm ne- I'm gonna need to hear him say it a few more times in public. But someone pointed this out that like Trump he needs to like it's like like uh, Rocky Four when Rocky like trains in the uh, Russian wilderness and he's like carrying logs up a mountain and stuff like that. Trump needs to like he needs to get back into training and insulting celebrities. Because that's how he sharpens his put-downs of politicians, is he's got to be doing caddy put-downs to Rihanna for being, like, you know, uh, for being bad. Or, you know, he's, he's got to be doing, like, put-downs of divas. He's got to be, like, teeing off on celebrities is how, he, is how he's getting his fastball back as we approach the 2024 election. It's like boxing. You know how in boxing, like, a guy will compile, like, a 37-0 record fighting just, like... Tomato the, cans. The, yeah, just, like, yeah... <laughs> The toughest guy from like a restaurant chain in Cleveland, Ohio. <laughs> like, if you look at like any great boxer's record, their first twenty fights are against guys who have won one fight in a thirty-five fight long career. That's just because it's like that's how they develop talent and like build up a record and like protect the, protect like a prospect boxer because they're so rare. I get Trump has to kind of do that. I guess he, he should like go against like Sean Mendez or something like that. <laughs> they should lower Bette Midler into his enclosure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Trump has become very agitated when we introduced the, <laughs> when, we, when we introduced the social security age song and dance lady into his habit trail. <laughs> <laughs> He's slamming his head into the <laughs> enclosure walls. He's become I, very excitable. I thought Meatball Ron was good, though. It's pretty good. It's yeah. better than Ron DeSanctimonious. That's pretty clear. Yeah, Ron DeSanctimonious was fucking shit. That was like the swamp rubbing off on him. That's something that, like, you know, a Bush 2 holdover said to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Meatball Ron. I mean, you look at Ron DeSantis, and he's not, like, particularly fat, but you're just like, oh, he's a meatball. <laughs> his head is like his a His head meatball. is very, yeah. He's sitting yeah. on his shoulders. It's really good too because a lot of like the the pro DeSantis people have been like, um, actually every woman I know has told yes. me they've been jacking off to Ron DeSantis. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> yes, Felix. I mean, like that. That's how I know that this that, that, that they are the only two contenders because, like, as I mean, I mean, it shouldn't be a shock because you know, like, of what I don't know, conser- what turns on conservative women because, like, there are so many women who think Donald Trump is like the most handsome man on the planet, but DeSantis has his fangirls too. And I, Felix, I know you, I think, I think you saw the same one I saw where this lady was just like, 
who are they talking about? Ron DeSantis is handsome as all get out, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 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 Uh, I mean, um, I, that's another thing. Like I, I really stand by this, this idea that like, even if it's not Trump, it's not going to be DeSantis because he has so many political Madden curses all over him. (laughs) But like, that's one of them. I mean, like you, like this, that was like the selling point for fucking Beto in 2019. (laughs) I don't know if people read yeah, yeah. Uh, read our boy uh, Edinger Metton's uh, amazing Substack piece, "The Art of Losing" on Beto O'Rourke, which was a great read. Can't recommend it enough. But um, he had some really funny throwbacks in there because um, I had forgotten how funny the Beto presidential hype in 2018 and 2019 oh, was, and there is so much stuff in there about how how much people harped on Beto's handsomeness in compared yeah. to other politicians. The, ca- the calf cramper himself. The calf yeah. cramper. It he doesn't was, help it was, you. He was in yeah. presidential <laughs> politics. He, he was making so many pussies squirt, he had to fucking campaign with a boogie board. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, what? when was our last handsome president? Some people thought Obungler was handsome, but I don't know. Ob- Obungler really is conventionally Obungler, handsome. Obungler, Obungler, like he's conventionally handsome. handsome. He's like over six feet tall. He's like, well, that's the thing. Not, he's tall. That's you're that's, not going to does a lot of work. <laughs> Bone law. <laughs> Bone law never lies. Never but fails. Like before, before him, like Kennedy, maybe uh, people thought Clinton was. A, people thought Clinton was good looking. But I mean, I don't see that. But yeah, yeah, he, yeah he Ken- like Kennedy w. probably C. Fields in his first. Term. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it was probably you know Kennedy, and that's why that's why he had to go. Yeah, we cannot have a guy that Chad Chadwickly be the president. We had to replace him with uh, one of the ugliest men in history, Lyndon Johnson. <laughs> yeah, but with the biggest dick, you may say that's he's true. Ugly, but he's fucking he's swinging pipe down there. Yeah. Now another thing the crotch down where your nuts hang. It's always a little too tight. So when you make them up, give me a, an inch from the, where the zipper ends uh, round uh, under my back to my bunghole. Uh, back, back to the Super Bowl, though. Um, uh, it was a good game, but, you know, hey, you, you don't want to hear about that shit. You want to hear about the ads. I don't know about you, but that's why I watch the game. And look, if, if we like it, it is interesting because like if we are to. Uh, you know, understand the Super Bowl ads of a year as sort of a cultural barometer. I thought this year was a fairly interesting one, not just for the conspicuous lack of crypto, crypto and Bitcoin based ads entirely. And in fact, I was sort of um, chuffed to find out that all of the ads were for products that like I understand. They were all nice and normal. Here's a beer you can drink. Here's a new kind of chip. Uh, here's an insurance for your car or a drug for motion sickness. But it was like there were no ads where I watch it and I'm just like, what the fuck am I supposed to buy here? What do you want from me? There was that one ad in the very beginning. It was like the first or second commercial break. There was just a QR code for one of those games that get advertised to you on like Instagram and Twitter where you're like, find the gold in this pit. But like you have to like <laughs> not get uh, crushed by rocks as you remove this gold. <laughs> Try that to come in 10 seconds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That was the only one I was like slightly confused about. But I would say like if we're reading this Super Bowl and this crop of ads as a cultural barometer, I think that this the very clear message from like the this this crop of ads is that wokeness is over. <laughs> The advertisers are done doing ads with messages. They are done doing ads ads that are supposed to be socially relevant or uh, or or woke of any kind. And we are returning now. They are they are taking advantage of the 
often overlooked, but this country's most precious natural resources. I'm talking about celebs. They brought this, there was just, we're going to show all, all of our best celebs. They're going to be in ads. They're going to be cutting it up. They're going to be doing goofs and spoofs. But this wokeness shit, we're done with it. We're going back to having fun watching the game. Except uh, for the U.S. military. They, they haven't gotten the message yet, though. They had a, they, uh, the color guard had, were like in a rainbow shape uh, at the beginning of it. And then, yeah, they had the all-female flyover. So, as usual, you know, the big lumbering uh, uh, U.S. military is the last to know about the cultural shift. I'm going to be no, honest. I, I did not watch a second of it. I was just passively rooting against uh, the Philadelphia Eagles. <laughs> um, and you know what? Um, I love Patrick Mahomes. Especially love Jackson Mahomes. I love their wife or sister. I'm not really sure uh, which, uh, you know, what that, what's you know going on there. What nature of relationship that is. I think Jackson's skits and dances are fucking awesome. I think God smiles on them. They saved us from a lot of annoying posts. Those yeah. wonderful brothers. Felix loves Travis Kelsey, but hates his goofus ass brother. Fuck him. Yeah. Who's Tra um, who's Tra oh were they on opposing teams? <laughs> yes, there was brothers. There were brothers on opposing teams in the Super Bowl. Travis Kelsey and uh, Gomer Kelsey. I don't know the other guy's name, but he's on the Eagles. That, um, that would be an amazing storyline of football. It wasn't the fucking most boring game ever. <laughs> well well feel like you didn't watch the game. So I'm, I looked. I'd like to share with you a couple of the a couple of the big ads from the game. I'll describe them to you here. This is uh, I'm just like a highlight of like the best and worst Super Bowl ads. Uh According to the New York Times, the best ad, in their opinion, was the sort of um, was brighter Boston. This is a commercial for Sam Adams beer that is advertising okay. that their beer has a lighter color now. So they've taken their classic uh, advertising character, like, you know, sort of like the Sam Adams equivalent of Spuds McKenzie, which is um, Boston shithead. And they've shown that now Sam Adams Lager now has a lighter, crisper, golden color. And what if the city of Boston were also nicer? What if, oh, they're saying, like, what if we made the city of Boston lighter, so to speak? <laughs> Buddy, so, we've been trying. What if, what if we German, what if we finally Germanized Boston? <laughs> well, this one was like, you know, you, you got to see, like, you know, uh, Red Sox fans, like, uh, uh, embracing Yankees fans. You got to see Kevin Garnett being nice to people. You got to see uh, a young Vietnamese man walking around with both eyes still intact. Um, but... So like that, that was a good one. There was another Boston riots. <laughs> uh, There's another Boston-based commercial. It was the first one after kickoff that I thought was it was the Ben Ben Affleck Duncan commercial, where Ben Affleck was just in a, doing the, uh, working the drive-in, working the drive-through at a Boston area Dunkin' Donuts, mm. and you know he's chopping it up with the, the customers. They're like, oh well, that's Ben Affleck, and then J Lo rolls in at the end. She's like, so this is where you tell me you go when you say you're working, and he's like, oh sorry, gotta go, honey. So that was nice. Some good, good celebs. Got some good celeb action there. I thought that was funny. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You're telling me that the uh, adorable, adorable vi viral moment from a month ago where <laughs> uh, Ben Affleck was at the uh, drive-in at the Dunkin' Donuts is for a commercial? He wasn't just, just he, doing like, that for the like, love thought, of the D? <laughs> the double D, what yeah. What the fuck do I believe in anymore? Fuck this. I guess the other, the other very hyped uh, ad was the, uh, the Breaking Bad Pop, Pop Chip Popcorners ad. Which is like uh, instead of making meth, uh, they're making an addictive um, snacking treat, which is like sort of popcorn chips. But uh, you know, the highlight of, the, of this ad for me was the surprise guest appearance of Tuco Salamanca, who instead of um, 
<laughs> crushing meth with his Bowie knife is crunching up uh, some nice um, cheddar popcorners and he's going tight, tight, tight. But I did like to see one of the most frightening TV characters of all time return in a pleasant commercial, uh, not entreating you to become addicted to crystal meth, but instead to become addicted to delicious popcorn chips. All right. Well, I think that's something we can all agree with that like the way Breaking Bad should have ended is they all should have been friends. Uh, wasn't there a uh, Sopranos reunion of the, the kids last year? Like it was an electric car ad. Oh, right. And yeah, yeah, Meadow yeah. And, and AJ. They're like nodding at each other at the at the uh, at the pump or the electricity pump, whatever the fuck it is. <laughs> the cord. <laughs> so that means we got to have what other prestige uh, golden age shows are going to become commercials. We're going to have to have Mad Men. I mean, Mad Men, John Hamm basically just does ads now. So he's going to mm-hmm. be able to do one just as Don Draper. I gotta have. Uh, I'd like to see a Deadwood ad. That'd be fun. Uh, it's a Deadwood ad for a new app that's called Cocksucker, and it's like it's an alternative <laughs> to Grinder, but only for sucking cock. Only for people who are interested in uh, and lips, not hips. Um, let's see. Uh, there was um, oh, Bradley Cooper's mom. Bradley Cooper and his mom were uh, doing some uh, some some delightful bants with each other in a T-Mobile ad. Um, were there were there any were there any bad ones with any real stinkers that I'm I'm trying to remember here? It's all over. the 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 glory days of of Super Bowl ads are over. Uh, the only thing that stands out to me is that they have uh, huge ads for gambling, and I still have not gotten used to that because that until a relatively short time ago would have been genuinely unthinkable, and now they have a team in Las Vegas. And a official NFL bookie. It's pretty wild. Oh, I suppose, like, in terms of, like, mildly controversial ads, there was, um, there are two two ads for Jesus on this Super Bowl. And now I've, I, I've seen these ads um, for a while now watching the NFL. And they're these very, like, slickly produced ads. They're, like, always done in black and white. And they have this, like... I don't know, this this gloss of like a seemingly progressive message because they're like, oh, you know, like Jesus's parents were refugees. You know, he loves everyone. And they're and like, you know, he's sort of like us. And they show like, you know, sort of like kids on dirt bikes in the streets doing graffiti. And they're like, oh, like he's sending out a message of love, not hate. And like, they, you know, like uh, they tend to highlight not white people. And like I said, it has this this superficial gloss of progressive values trying to be like, hey, Jesus, he's pretty cool. He's, he's just like one of us. He's a, re- he's a regular guy that loves people and uh, wants you to just sort of be cool. Um, but then it, it comes to find out that the people funding these ads are Hobby Lobby, essentially. They're, they're part of a huge lobbying effort to um, criminalize uh, not just abortion, but all kinds of contraceptive health care in this country. So, yeah, so the, the, the Jesus ad. Did you catch that, Matt? I mean, the, the th- I'll... I remember the first of the ads, these ads came out a while ago, a couple months ago. The one where it's like Jesus was a refugee thing, and I was like, "What is this?" So I, I went and I, I did the you know click through to find out where the money was coming from, and the website, uh, for I, I, mean, I think it's been like gone through a few iterations at this point, but at one point it was some sort of org, and in their about page it said, you know, uh, <laughs> some Missouri businessman uh, had a tax issue, and he came to his friend. Uh, who was a, a minister and said, what can I do to uh, deal with this? And so he created this uh, thing. They're just out front saying that they needed to fucking write off. <laughs> yeah. I love stuff. Every few years we do have like a, a, like a slick Christian ad campaign. That's like, you know, either like 
you know, like now where it's like, oh, Jesus wouldn't have canceled anyone either for being an immigrant or being racist. Um, <laughs> but before it was like, um, do you remember those billboards that would have like Abe Lincoln or like Jonas Salk on them? And they were like, he did it because it was right. <laughs> from like 10 years ago or so um i, I more remember as like a billboards or ads it would feature like abe lincoln or albert einstein being like your fetus could be them don't don't kill it well yeah um same vein basically but like i'd say like every eight or nine years or so there's a guy who made like you know 900 million dollars inventing like a new type of unsafe bouncy castle somewhere in, <laughs> you know, like uh, Macon County, Georgia, like some regional near billionaire or billionaire who like nonetheless, like sort of like feels bad about himself and his life. And instead of like taking the awesome Aubrey McClendon route of just driving into a brick wall, he's like, oh, OK, I know what I'll do. I'm going to save everyone's souls. I'm going to pay the best ad guy to advertise our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And every year they convert approximately um, one and a half people. It's actually uh, this latest ad was a negative conversions. Uh, people, people are, people are watching ads for Muhammad after seeing this shit. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Muslims up again. I mean, it's just like, you know, we've talked about it before, but like, the basic gist of Christianity, like American Christianity versus Islam, it's like, who seems like they're having a better time? <laughs> well, I mean, I because I'm not seeing ads for fucking uh, Islam. I'm not seeing ads like submit. It's the cool new thing. Yeah, it it's advertises got, got five itself. Colors. Yeah. <laughs> Are you interested in tithing and fasting? Lose I found weight a, um, and save money. You know, everyone makes fun of like Christian rock and like Christian rap. But I found a few years ago, I like rediscovered them recently. I found this like incredibly earnest group of like uh like UK Muslims called Dean Squad, and they just they re they remixed like top forty rap songs to be about being a good Muslim, <laughs> and they like they they changed Trap Queen to be called Muslim Queen, and <laughs> in, the, in the hook they're very joyously like. This, like, great group of, like, positive and genuinely happy, like, handsome, clean-cut, multicultural group of guys are like, I pray that you have a good wife, my brother. I pray that you have a good one, too. <laughs> and it's like, you don't see Christians doing that. There's just real positivity in Islam. And they're, they're, they're faking the funk in, in Christianity. Yeah, in well, like, yeah, they don't actually believe in it. They, no. they don't believe in God as something separate than their own ego. No, they have to do a bunch of uh, mental gymnastics and and uh, compensatory flailings to try to convince others and themselves that there's anything other than their ego there. Whereas, like, there's 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 like Allah, that's a guy, you know. There's there's a general consensus that that's a guy. I like if I look if I had to pick a religion different from you know the one I'm working on right now. Uh, that's probably going to be up by next year. Um, I'd have to go with Islam. Just like, just like based on the Muslims I know, just like, they seem like they really have it together. I'm sorry. And I mean, like, you, yeah, already, Mormons, you already, Mormons do too, but Mormons have like, there's just like a sinister, sinisterness to them that I just don't see with like the average Muslim. And like, well, Islam for you, Felix, I mean, you already don't drink alcohol. Check. 
You yeah. already don't eat most meat, including pork. Um, yeah. And then, but 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 with Mormonism, you would have to give up soda and and nicotine. So yeah, exactly. I mean, nicotine is still like haram in Islam, but like everyone, that's the thing. Allah's is understanding. I don't know what the <laughs> about Mormon, <certain> Mormon <laughs> pantheon of gods is like. They seem pretty harsh. <laughs> Um, I guess just like the one last uh, Super Bowl ad that I remembered because I felt like especially catered to as an elder millennial is a DoorDash ad featuring Raekwon. And I was just wondering how many people watch this and watching this ad are aware of who Raekwon is and that he's known as the chef because they kept referring to him as chef in the commercial. And I was just wondering, who's this ad for? And then I realized, oh, it's me. <laughs> Congratulations. You are the demo now. <laughs> yep. I did not get that one. So now, now thank you for explaining it to me. <laughs> Matt, the, uh, the 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 ad featuring uh, um, uh, Steve Stephen Foster Douglas doing uh, CGI version of Stephen Foster Douglas singing Camp Town Races. Matt was like, "Oh, I, I see myself in that." Stephen Foster Douglas. Did I, was that the guy? The name of the guy? Uh, yeah, no, Stephen Foster, and then there's Stephen Douglas. Those are two different guys. All right, edit this shit out. I'll kill myself. <laughs> <laughs> Inshallah, keep her. She's a righteous believer. She's my halal diva. A painting on the wall. She my Muslim Mona Lisa. She's so good with her business. My modern day Khadija. No more drama when we live in not the same. She's so different. All right. So tomorrow, tomorrow is Valentine's Day. Um, everyone out there, if you haven't got a present yet, um, avoid the rolling pin now by turning <laughs> yeah. this off immediately. And going to get some chocolates and flowers. But they want something. Even if they say they don't, they want something. Don't let them trick you. Yeah. You know, don't fuck up this year. Don't get something stupid like flowers or something she says she likes. Get her weight loss pills, thermogenic weight loss pills. The thing that every woman wants. Get her a filler coupon. No, flowers I are fine. Don't do that. Don't don't give yeah. people body image issues. Jesus oh. Christ didn't give people body image. <laughs> I don't know, man. How many people? He was so skinny too. I don't know. And see <laughs> yeah. those cum gutters and be like, shit. I'm never going to this Jesus. Everyone was skinny then. There was like no food. There was like <laughs> there was like one grain per person. Yeah, but he was he was like cut. Like he's not just skinny. He's like got definition. So he's clearly getting some protein. Jesus actually invented food. The whole, the whole fishes and loaves water into one. Before that, people, people think that, like, oh, he just made that food. No, he invented food. People were just eating dirt before him. That would explain a lot. Yeah, but, like, you know, uh, flowers, chocolate, uh, <laughs> weight loss drugs. No, don't do that. In lieu of flowers or chocolate or traditional gifts, I recommend uh, giving your significant other um, a 4K Blu-ray of a movie that you really like. Yeah, Equilibrium. <laughs> So, but um, as promised, we uh, we are going to uh, we solicited some uh, some listener questions for this Valentine's Day. So, uh, we're going to do our best now to uh, counsel uh, the lovelorn sad sacks who make up our audience. Okay, um, Mission Impossible. <laughs> All right, uh, let's get into this. We're, this first one's actually a great transition uh, because it is, of course, about uh, Valentine's Day gifts. This is from uh, Patrick. Hi there. I struggle to find a good balance between giving a good gift and the amount of time and money and effort that should be spent for something like Valentine's Day versus how I actually feel about it as a concept. 
like it being a made up holiday to force you to spend money when uh, you already don't have a lot of money to spend or time or energy. So I uh, just want to know what your thoughts were on that. Um, not not a question. That's my thoughts. <laughs> the, che- the cheapskate oh, contingent yeah. is heard from. Oh, it's it's capitalism. It's made me uh, a shitty gift giver and bad boyfriend. Uh, well, uh, but, but let me let me guess how you found your current girlfriend. Did you know that Christmas is a pagan holiday? <laughs> Met the last woman on earth. Impressed by that. Not a question. Don't care. I don't know. Get her flowers. You do a million things that are made up every day. Um, just uh, do a new one. I would say, okay, like to, to seriously to seriously answer like the uh, try to try to answer this question. Like as Matt, as you said. You can't like. It may, hey, maybe I've made up holiday designed to sell gift cards, but guess what? Uh, w- women are in control now. Patriotic women are in control, so you're still <laughs> gonna have to buy something. You're still gonna have to buy something. So, if, if you are looking to be a little more thrifty for this Valentine's Day, because you know, like, uh, not not everyone can be, you know, uh, g- getting their loved one a new Bugatti or you know, uh, Range Rover, um, yacht, things of that nature. But seriously, I would say if you're looking to, to have like a, a thrifty and heartfelt Valentine's, I would uh, just simply put together a nice meal for your significant other, like a home cooked meal. Like, uh, you know, don't don't take them out to the restaurant, but just have like a nice candlelit home cooked meal. Um, a steak is always, always a showstopper. But, you know, uh, cheaper options, just like a roast chicken of some kind. You know, you uh, butter, butter that bad boy up with some rosemary and thyme, salt. Uh, cook it in a pan with some, like, vegetables underneath it, under, the, uh, under a um, grate or whatever, so that the, the chicken fat cooks with the, the potatoes. Get nice red wine. Um, make a little salad. And then you got, you know, maybe then you can, like, buy a dessert, like a cupcake or something like that, you know, if you don't want to go the extra mile of, like, baking. Or whatever, but I would say a nice home cooked meal is a romantic, heartfelt gesture that will uh, perhaps save you some money. Um, hypothetically, what if every meal you cook is repulsive? <laughs> uh, yeah, and actually, uh, notice uh, you can really make um, fish heads go a long way by adding crackers. <laughs> yeah. Yes, absolutely. Add, add crackers to any fish-based curry to get a little bit more body, a little bit of crunch into uh, into your into your fish bowl. Oh, and you know what makes that even better? You know how can you know people are always trying to reinvent the wheel, but you can't go wrong with dinner and a movie. If you have a movie called like you know corporate animals or like um, bank train, any any movie any movie made after 2016 starring Olivia Munn in some role, um, definitely watch that with your loved one. And if you can Uber Eats um, one bottle of Bacardi and then ask for free food in the second Uber Eats order. And then um, make some sort of steak, bagel, and egg concoction all in one pan with an eggshell. Well, <laughs> I hear wedding bells. Hey, hey, let, me t- let me tell you this, listener. If you watch Bank Train on Valentine's Day with your significant other, it is sure to be hashtag the best movie ever. But, you know, uh, to Felix's point about what if every meal you cook is repulsive, I would just simply say, like, cooking a good steak is the easiest and most impressive way to cook for another person. It, like, I, like, almost anyone can do it. Uh, just, like, 
All you need is salt, pepper, and a cast iron skillet. Like, get it screaming hot. You could do a reverse sear if you're really, if you're feeling a little adventurous and the steak you got is nice and thick. Put that in the oven for about 40 minutes at like the lowest temperature. Then you put it in a screaming hot cast iron skillet and then uh, with a little bit of oil, get it, get it nice and brown and then throw in some butter, rosemary, and crushed garlic and then just baste that bad boy with a little spoon, plate it. You're, you're gonna, you're, your significant other, whatever, whatever, whoever you're trying to impress, they will be impressed. It is Cooking a good steak is the easiest thing that even, an, even a novice beginner in the, in the kitchen can master very easily. And what All if right. you don't want to murder anything? Uh, pasta. Okay, also a good question. Pasta. That's true. Okay. Yeah. May Pasta's I recommend? Pretty, pretty pretty easy. I can cook pasta. That should tell you something. May I re- may I recommend um, the pasta sauces of one Dr. Paul Newman? <laughs> <laughs> they are very good. They are very good. Yeah. But you know you could, you could go it. a little extra. You could go a little extra and maybe make some make some red sauce yourself. All right, let's move on to some okay. genuine romantic advice. Okay. okay. Hey, guys. My name's Carter. I'm 23. I have an older sister, and ever since I was in eighth grade, she had a best friend that I always thought was really hot. Uh, now we're older, and my sister's kind of fallen out with this friend, but I still talk to her a lot, and I thought there was kind of like this weird tension between us, but uh, I want to smash, and... Um, you know, she's in her 30s. Ew! I'm Sorry. <laughs> probably still in her mind, like, the boy that was her best friend's brother. So how do I do it? Okay. How do you, how do you bag your, your, your older sister's hot friend? Wow, this is, a, this is an erotically charged scenario. Uh, you guys have any initial thoughts? I'm, 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 I'm organizing. I'm just still thinking about the hot older sister. And if she's, yeah. perhaps, she's perhaps doing laundry or needs help. Yeah, uh, if she gets stuff stuck in a dryer, dryer, you've got a real uh, opening. Dryer, obviously great, you know, the problem always is, is like, how do you get her in the situation where you have access to a dryer, especially if you're in New York or you kind of have to <laughs> already be a success. And in that sense, they're already throwing themselves at you. Um, experiences from my own life where it's like, you know, it, if I could just have this number one dame, if I could have this great gal on my side, well, that's all I want. I found um, sometimes you just have to um, not go out of your way to impress them. But no, yeah, you know what? Some some women, you know, hot women are, they have a uniquely poor position in this world where everyone is always trying to impress them, if not stalk and kill them. Uh, if you act like an asshole trying to impress, uh, impress them beyond what your natural capabilities and personality are, it's going to wear thin, but if it comes from a place of genuine interest and connection, like there, there's some shared affinities you have and shared interests, there's nothing wrong with that. I think all sex and attraction is fundamentally like embarrassing. All dating is, um, but don't be afraid to be embarrassed or be rejected yeah. because yeah. the the worst thing that can happen is you're in exactly the same position you are now where this isn't happening. Um, yes, sort of think, you know, if you really do want this, you should have a pretty good sense of what this woman is like, what she does and doesn't like, um, what your levels of compatibility are, whether this is just a sexual thing or you have romantic ambitions for it. And, you know, it's sort of like standardized tests. If you don't know, your first impulse is usually the right one. And listen, unless it is to kill her. (laughs) 
<laughs> the listener. Well, uh, you're, you said your first impulse is like, okay, you've acknowledged that there could be some fallout here with your sister <laughs> over dating. If, or, even, or even hook, yeah, whatever. You, sisters, they can be bought off. They can be dealt with. They can be got to, okay? But per Felix's thing about trusting your first instinct, in the call, you say that you've always felt that there was like a little, there's some, sex, there's some tension there, there's some sexual tension. You, you're, you're interested in exploring it. You, you felt that like you thought it was mutual. So I got to say, you're, you're, you're a young guy. Shoot your shot. Like, I don't have any specific, you'd know better than I would about how, like, specifically to approach this woman. Just like a simple asking him out, you know, uh, uh, contrive a romantic encounter. I don't know. But, like, shoot your shot. As Felix said, worst case scenario, you'll be no different than you are now, except you may have fatally uh, alienated a relationship with a family member and a sibling. But sometimes that can be both a gift and a curse. But no, seriously, uh, the lady in question, you said she was like 36. So maybe ch may chat them up with things that millennials can relate to. Like you could say, do, do, were you aware that Raekwon of the Wu-Tang Clan is sometimes <laughs> referred to as the chef and, or Chef Raekwon? And uh, she will be over the moon. You'll, then from there, it's just the, flirt, the flirtation will be flying fast and loose. But no, in all seriousness, um, if you feel there's something there and you're interested in exploring it, just shoot your shot. Uh, go live in a cave. Find God. Don't talk <laughs> right. to anyone. Also acceptable. I kind of agree with that. Uh, then let's move on to another one. We solicited more than just dating questions. There are also all sorts of interpersonal relationship questions. This one is about child rearing. Okay, you've come to the right place. <laughs> yeah. Hey, guys. Um, I'm calling because I'm having an issue with my baby. He is biting other babies at daycare. Yep, get it out of here. Um, it's yeah. not, like, mean. We think that he does it more to his friends, and he thinks it's kind of funny when we tell him to stop. Um, but it's becoming a problem because we're afraid they're going to kick us out of daycare. Um, and he just laughs when we tell him no bite. Um, yeah, so they're making me sign things when I pick him up now. So <laughs> help me out. How can I get my baby to stop biting? Thanks. You know, most uh, fire, firehouses will take a baby, no questions asked. <laughs> Always keep that in mind. Well, I was, um, you know, I was one of those kids where... You were a biter? <laughs> no, no, no. I've, I've, I've made this clear several times. I was not bite the teacher autistic. I was, um, you know, the other problems you have. Not quite enough where I was good at math, but... You know, you kind of get the picture, don't you? Um, but, you know, just you know, give it time. They, look, they know way more about autism or whatever your kid has. Autism or being a bad person or, what, you know, whatever. Whatever is going on with your kid. They know way more about it than when I was a kid. And, look, no one has ever guaranteed anyone a good time at preschool. Preschool is not supposed to be fun. Preschool is where you learn how to do real school. And, um, you know, if, if, if they don't, if they're, if they're like, hey, you know, your kid's too bitey. Hey, your, your, your kid, your kid is, um, uh, he's, he's spoiling Dragon Ball for all the other kids. Um, well, you know, there's always other schools. And as long as you have patience and love for your sweet child, um, you know, that's all he needs. School, you know, you can change schools. You can you can uh, change behavior. You can uh, get on Adderall too. You can do all sorts of things. You know, there's all sorts of things you can do. But just don't. Um, I don't know. Don't don't stress your kid out by being like, um, "Hey, you need to normal up." 
Because they don't know what that means. If they knew what that meant, they'd be doing it. I, I, I have a few practical, I have a few practical suggestions to how to deal with the biting problem. Is that like the cool thing about kids is that you can always lie to them, but you can sprinkle in a little truth. Like if your kid's getting a little bitey, you can just tell them like, hey, those teeth that you like so much, pretty soon all of them are going to fall out of your head, their, your head one at a time. And if that disturbs you, maybe uh, keep your mouth shut. Or considering like, you know, get on one of the, get on one of the forums and, and sort of like uh, email lists that I know all parents are on nowadays. Get on that for, the, uh, for all the parents at your kids' schools and maybe coordinate with them where like before they send their kids to school, they could coat them in some sort of like foul-smelling and foul-tasting <laughs> goo. And that way your kid can learn through like sort of like a, a negative feedback that like, you know, when, when they nibble, it tastes very bitter or gross or something. But, you know, like maybe they're just teething. Just tell them, yeah, like your teeth are going to fall out pretty soon. Your mouth will fill with blood. And then we'll take you to a special doctor that only exists to inflict pain on your mouth. Welcome to childhood. Oh, and then you could explain how going to the dentist used to be fun. And then there was a man called the Obungler who told his DAA to tell dentists to stop giving you drugs when you went to the dentist. That's, I think he's at the age where he can learn about the Obungler DEA's opiate whack-a-mole that ruined dentists <laughs> forever. Uh, best of luck, and, uh, and, and, and you don't, no need to abandon your child, please. Yeah. I'm just saying it's an option. That takes a little of the stress off of it to just keep exactly. it in the back of the head that you can. That it, you can. There's always right. the fire station. Uh, I'm going to say this one is probably most targeted at Will and Matt. This is from Ben E. Oh, and that last question was from Gina C. So thanks for calling. Thank you, Gina. you, Gina. This is from Ben E. Hey, Chapo. This is Ben out of Cincinnati. Long time, first time. Shout out. Calling with a question for the stoner boys of the podcast. Stoner boys, do you like a stoner girl? Do you enjoy a weed smoking companion to go to bed with? Can it get a little too indulgent, unhealthy? Curious to know your thoughts. And uh, Felix, don't feel left out. Feel free to weigh in on the pros and cons of a weed-smoking girlfriend. All right, take care. Um, pros. You can you can leave her by just um, putting put, just putting your hands over her eyes and being like, <laughs> oh, I disappeared. She has no object permanence. Cons. Choose on the strings of her hoodie. Can't remember anything. Um, hair, hair is like roughly the texture of um, the shit outside of coconut. Coconut hair it doesn't get along with other girls because they they're not chill weed smokers. Yeah. Um, pretty much mostly cons here, but you gentlemen, you know, you um, up to you guys. What do you think? Well, look, I, I would say that, you know, when you're with someone you love, there's nothing uh, too indulgent or unhealthy to engage in with that uh, object of your affection. Uh, I would say that, look, it's important to share hobbies and interests in a relationship. <laughs> and, you know, it, it, if, if one of your major hobbies and interests is doing drugs, it's, you know, it's a little difficult to be in a long-term relationship with someone who uh, doesn't enjoy doing drugs. Uh, but you know what? Uh, a stoner girlfriend, I would say, is a good girlfriend because... You know, uh, sometimes weed reacts badly with um, uh, with women, but sometimes it reacts very well with them, and it it it, it lowers their it it lowers the um, static hum of uh, female brain concerns that are constantly humming around the skulls of the fairer sex. Um, but yeah, like I speaking personally, Kath, Catherine's not a big weed head. You know, I mean, like she she will partake, but. I think it's I think it's a nice mix because she doesn't smoke as much weed as I do, but you know she's not straight edge either. So, 
Um, I, I see no problem with a stoner girlfriend. I think uh, stoner girlfriends are cool. And uh, just don't worry about it. Yeah, just smoke weed every day. Uh, stoner girlfriends are fine, but not as good as uh, uh, Selvia girlfriends. <laughs> That's what you really want. Kind of agree with you right there. Yeah. You want a girlfriend who's just going to be locked to the couch for 10 minutes while uh, they're <laughs> on another dimension fighting with the clockwork elves. Because <laughs> when they come back, they're very, very, very grateful to see you. Uh, but if you, uh, by the way, though, if you have a Benadryl girlfriend, she will leave you for the hat man. <laughs> Benadryl uh, girlfriend really is the perfect woman. <laughs> uh, moving on. Yeah. Here's one specifically for Felix. Okay. Producer Chris, this is Snake. I'm calling with a special Valentine's Day mission for Felix. I want to be his boyfriend. Let <laughs> me know. You have my Kodak number. Anyway, I've got a certain pipeline that I was hired to demolish. Talk to you soon. Love the show. Well, I'm very honored. I, I'm i very glad to hear that you are not passed away after the events of Metagir Solid 4, where it seemed that you did have terminal... Fox died, which is the Metal Gear Solid universe's their version of uh, cancer. You know, unfortunately, though, I'm not gay yet. They have not come out with that surgery. Um, <laughs> but I'm flattered. You're a military hero, and um, you know, just keep on keeping on, Snake. I'm just I'm glad you're still ticking. That's all. But I'm uh, flattered, flattered. But um, you know, still not gay. Despite my therapist's best efforts, we've been working really hard and we just can't get it. <laughs> this is from Richard W. Richard Wright, author of Native Son. Hello, Chapo. Like most of your listeners, I find myself a chronically single young man. While the usual advice about following your passions and working on yourself has certainly helped me become a better person and love myself more, all the potential romantic partners I come into contact with aren't nearly as interested in 17th century crop yields as I am. With that in mind, how do I get more play? Or, failing that, how do I avoid becoming an incel about it? Okay, I'll answer the, uh, the second question first. I mean, like, uh, avoiding becoming an incel, look... Just because you're not getting not getting laid at the moment doesn't necessarily make you an incel. I think you've already keyed in on the uh, essential fact of the matter here, which is that um, like the misogyny or hating women because you're not getting laid is really just hating yourself because you're not getting laid. And the more you hate yourself, the more you tend to hate women, and yes. like the more the more they seem alienated and like distant and and more afraid you are of them. So like you're good. You're doing good so far. Like you haven't fallen into that trap. So if if you just like, are aware of that, like I think I think like you will uh, inoculate yourself from becoming a like uh, the wretched form of just not getting laid. And look, there's nothing wrong with just not getting laid. You can go through you know long stretches like you'd be like sort of a, a sexual camel going from oasis to oasis. But you know like it seems that you've uh, taken to heart the traditional advice, which is bettering yourself. And then, like, through that, you will, you know, find yourself more confident or in situations in which you're, you know, uh, more likely to meet someone and hit it off with them. But I don't know, man. Like, uh, this is a tough one because, you know, you're saying, like, uh, you're, you're, you're trying to better yourself, put yourself out there, but it's just not working for you so far. All I would just, I mean, it's, it's maybe it's bad advice, but I would just say, like, stick with it. You know, like just or just like or just never be afraid to shoot your shot. Going back to how do you fuck your older sister's hot friend? You just got to shoot your shot and um, don't be like, you know, you, you'll regret the, you'll regret the things you don't do rather than the things you do do. So, 
you know, like, I don't know, uh, dating apps, you know, give it a shot, give it a try, you know, like uh, just each, each rejection is uh, all my losses lessons. But and also just like um, don't put so much pressure on yourself. I know it feels terrible. Uh, if you, you may like I've been in situations where I thought like I'm probably never going to have sex again for the rest of my life. And I was wrong. So, you know, like just have faith. Because if someone is uh, ugly and stupid as me can um, become a sex haver, then there's hope for everyone. I thought, look, listener, I thought I practically was just never going to have sex. I was like 21 and I was like, well, guess that's out of the cards. <laughs> um, and um, I don't know. I, I guess, um, I don't know, through, through, through luck or whatever, I, um, I never felt like, you know, resentment towards women, which it sounds like you don't really either. It also doesn't sound like sound like you um, are you know twenty one and haven't had sex yet, as was the predicament I was in. But um, the thing I found, and I, I went through like I went through a lot. I did a lot of things. I um, I worked out with the fervor and intensity of like a professional athlete because I thought like the main barrier between me and uh, the women was that I didn't have visible abs. I got that. <laughs> you sure you're not gay? It, um, I mean, I'm gay, except for the part of like being attracted to men. That's, you know, gay in all the other ways. Gay in all the ways to count, but um, not not gay, not gay in the in the literal act of it. I would say, but um, yeah, um, the thing I found again, we're repeating myself, is. That sex and attraction, though all, all very humiliating and maddening and embarrassing, it is a very zen-like thing. And it was only when it left the front focus of my mind that I, um, I, I found it came more easily to me. Um, I think you will probably find that to be the case. Once you stop having it be the main focus of your life, it will not bedevil you in such a way. I mean, like, I, I, I totally agree. I mean, like, and, th and this is the ultimate catch-22 when it comes to uh, dating, if you're a man seeking to uh, date or have sex with women, is that, like, the surest way to be attractive to women and to attract women is to genuinely not care about getting laid or the attention of women, which is, like, the hardest thing to do in the world when you're not getting laid and it's all you fucking think about because you can, like, feel it behind your fucking eyeballs every second of the day. But, like, uh, it, like little, little by little, like, it's just if you... Yeah, like as Felix said, like it, it, there's a certain zen to it where if you stop caring about it, it will. It, there, there always finds a way to find you. Usually, love will find you in the end, but it's usually when you stop looking for it. But that doesn't mean like give up on improving yourself or you know, uh, in, engaging in activities in which you can display a a confidence or a mastery of of something. You know, like to display what you're good at in a, I don't know, if, if not a public setting, then like share it with other people. And I think that like, you know, like that, that's a good way to demonstrate your suitability as a romantic partner. I think, I, I, I think, yeah, that's exactly right. Not giving up on um, self-improvement, but work on things, whether it's like fitness or an artistic or career or, um, you know, you have a chemistry set, whatever, uh, any pursuit, <laughs> something that you like legitimately give a shit about and care about getting better at. If you 17th dedicate century crop yields, 17th century crop yields, uh, you know, recapping the latest Adam twos blog. Um, 
sort of a twos cliff notes for people who don't have time for the entire twos newsletter. Um, you know, um, if you do put a lot of time towards something that you're legitimately passionate about and care a lot about and like improving at, um, it will reflect in other areas of your life, particularly this one. I, th- I think it's, it's, it's hard advice. It's easier said than done to tell people to put this more towards the back of your mind when it is such an all consuming thing for so many reasons. But that is really the only thing I can tell you focus on, um, things that give you joy and fulfillment outside of sex. And, um, you know, sooner or later you'll be, you'll be bitching to your friends. Hey, these dumb bitches keep requesting messages, uh, on Twitter and Instagram. <laughs> I would also and just hey, say, Hey, I know I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you a little assist here for our, uh, for our twos of female listeners. If any of uh, the three of you are interested in 17th century crop yields and things of that nature, email the show. We got a fine young suitor for you and take it from the uh, two men on this call wearing wedding, wedding bands. You will find women who will love or at least tolerate you hollering about 17th century crop yields. Uh, next up, let's just do two more, two more. Yeah. Uh, okay, great. Here, let's go with this. This is from Burrito Boy. Thank you, Burrito Boy. Hey, everyone. Happy Valentine's Day. My question for you is, what does your partner's favorite and least favorite Chapo say about them? Um, my girlfriend's favorite is Will. I feel like you could you could say that she's a, um, a Will Sun, Matt Moon, and Felix Rising, whatever that means. Um, but I don't know. Let me know your thoughts. Uh, thank you, Burrito Boy. Um, this, is a, this is a great question, comment, observation. Uh, what does it say about your girlfriend if her favorite Chapo is Will? I would say it means that you guys should definitely consider opening up your relationship and maybe bringing in a third party or just experimenting with uh, group sex, swapping, things of that nature, group groups, a hot wifing, cuckoldry, things of that nature. <laughs> No, she's obviously a woman of taste and distinction. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's no way to go wrong, honestly. If if she has a favorite, then she's a keeper, in my opinion. Yeah. Now here, well, here's my my follow up. Then, uh, do you think that you know two two people who who would who would main should you be with two people that main the same chapo, or should it be you're trying to find somebody who has other faves than you? you yeah, just I think you want like a You want like a will mat. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah, want, yeah. You, want, you don't want it to get too uh, overburdened on one end. Yeah. I think just, any combo is, can can work though. Yeah, and you know, like if your if your romantic partner has a favorite chapo, I think it'd be good to like you know vary it up. Have like you know someone someone who's Matt adjacent with like you know a strong Felix. You know, uh, Will fans always appreciate it. Mix it up. I would just say, don't get a girlfriend, for instance, who has favorites outside of Chapo Trap House. Like no. for instance, if your girlfriend um, listens on her nose canceling headphones to the Adam Friedland show and in your Kickstarter stocks and laughs loudly while she's sitting next to you mm. at the much funnier men on other podcasts that are her favorites, then it could I could foresee that being a problem in uh, you know a theoretical relationship, not mine. In a video game. All right, this last call that we're going to do, and then I have a quick update on previous calls, but this will be the last call. This is actually. Uh, for for us, it's kind of like a what we're looking for thing. So okay. this is from Jason H. Hey, Chapo. It seems like things didn't work out with Andrew Tate's guy. So I want to know, what are you looking for in a wizard? <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is a great question. That is, uh, yeah. Look, but waiting for someone to ask something yeah, like this. Look, um, when you, okay, like, look, I understand, like, 
the wizard market right now is kind of fucked up. The wizard, there's, there's a lot of bad wizards out there. There's a lot of people who are fronting like they're wizards. I think the number one thing in choosing a wizard is what is their orb like? If they've got a good orb, <laughs> if their orb gives you good vibes and their magic is going to be good, it's going to be strong, and it won't be, he won't be pretending, and it won't be evil magic either. It'll just be good crystal and orb-based magic. Just when you meet a wizard, uh, you know, like, get to know them, and then when you get to the orb-touching uh, stage, just see, like, when you first touch it, uh, do you get, like, a flash of, like, the Eye of Sauron in your mind, or do you get something more pleasant? And, you know, just, like, go with your instinct on what the orb makes you feel. Uh, also... Uh, steer clear of orbs that focus on potions. Uh, mm. it, it never ends up well. I'll just say that uh, that they never get the percentages and the and the things right. They're they're going off of uh, of, of ancient recipes. Like pages are stuck together. They always end up half-assing it, and then you've got newts running around. It's no good. Steer, if, if they if they have like little uh, uh, little flasks of things, that's not you do not want that or that uh, wizard anywhere near your shit i would just say for me personally uh, a big indicator of the quality of somebody is kind of their social circle and, and how they you know keep up and maintain friends relationships relatives so uh i would say that you want to look into if your wizard has some sort of otherworldly patron uh <laughs> that they are in either enthralled to or in service of because then you can get access to that patron through them and it expands your social circle and and just generally creates a more diversive life situation for you yeah smart smart networking opportunities yes wait i got, I got, I got a follow-up question here this 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 is for felix so when you're talking about wizards who's better ronnie or Renala? who you got ronnie or Renala? i mean well ronnie unfortunately Fortunately, is trapped in the body of a doll. That's a little <laughs> bit of an issue. Definitely makes the relationship that much more difficult. Renala is, you know, kind of milf status, mm-hmm. um, and is a human being. <laughs> <laughs> but Felix, uh, when you're with a bitch and she pulls out Glintstone Pebble, are you like need it or keep it, or you're like I want Carrion Slicer? <laughs> Glintstone pushing got me acting strange. Someone said the crucible. I said, "What the fuck is that?" <laughs> uh, yeah, man or woman, um, just got to make sure your wizard is practicing um, uh, light magic instead of dark evil magic. Unless you're into that kind of thing. Unless you want like an evil wizard, and like you know, like, she could get pretty freaky with that. Absolutely. All right, one just quick sign up. Like an update on a previous asked and answered question on one of our fan call-ins. Uh, this is a little update from uh, Henry B., uh, who writes in that he is the guy who called in about Kentaro Seagal's Aikido Dojo in Osaka. Do you guys remember that question? Mm-hmm. Yes. Steven Seagal's son. Uh, well, he was recently forwarded a, uh, a young lady's Hinge profile, a screenshot from Hinge of a young lady named Sloan that said, you should message me if you're the guy who called into Chapo Trap House from Osaka. <laughs> so he was, <laughs> so he was wow. just wondering if we could maybe give just a little, the, the, the three of you guys could give a little happy Valentine's Day shout out to uh, Sloan from Hinge. Sloan, I'm going to tell you one motherfucking thing. You go on a date with this guy from Osaka, he's going to snatch every motherfucking Valentine's Day from you because his heart will be yours for the rest of your life. Chapo love connection. Sloan, I've been coming here to Asia for many years now. <laughs> I find that there is a peace and tranquility and wisdom 
into various trees of Asia. When a motherfucker tells me that he gets sodas in Japan, they ain't got in America. I just laugh. Because I've been knew that back, back since 1970, whatever. So I was doing work for the company. But if you got a real man who's going to give you a shout out, I <laughs> Sloan, Sloan, you gotta be buying motherfucking matching kimonos for your for your life. <laughs> when you when you step when you give when you put on an erotic kimono, that's what women that's what all women really want to see. <laughs> Sloan, you gotta make sweet love to your man while he sits in a Herman Miller Aeron chair. He's not moving <laughs> That is the height of erotic connection. Sloan, if you don't let a man keep on a leather jacket and sunglasses and a perchmaga and a hat and a necklace while having sex with you, then you ain't his best girl. Sloan, Sloan, your man, he's going he's gonna to be eating your pussy so good that all of the Sharpie dye he uses on his goatee is going to be all over you. You're going to be covered in ink and hair, hair dye from his, his technical Aikido lovemaking. He's gonna challenge. He's gonna channel all the force, your erotic energies, and redirect it right back into your pussy through his drawn-on goatee. <laughs> well, I really hope that that makes somebody's Valentine. I think day. that helped. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. We're, yeah. we're doing what we can to make love connections. Love, uh, lo- love is great, folks. We love love here on this show. Yeah, love wins. Call line always open. Calls for 30 seconds or less at calls at chapotraphouse.com. Keep them coming. We'll yeah, these, these are good questions. Uh, quarterly, yeah. yeah. I'm beginning to like hearing from our fans. Keep it up. All right. Uh, happy Valentine's Day, everyone. Uh, to, bye-bye. Bye. It's even more than anyone that you adore can love is all that I can give to you. Love is more than just a game for two. Two in love can't make it. Take my heart and please don't break it. Love was made for me and you. Love was.